Good morning, brothers. My name is Jacob. The elders of my village sent me to check out this man, Yeshua, Jesus. He's been causing quite a stir in our parts. There's some people from my village got healed. He's doing really amazing stuff. But his teaching is very unorthodox and he doesn't play by the rules. And so we're really perplexed. Because it seems like God's working through him. really does. And yet he says the craziest stuff and he does the craziest stuff. So they sent me to Jerusalem here because they heard Jesus' Passover time. What better time to come to Jerusalem? I'm glad for that. Couldn't find a hotel though. I'm in the KOA campground. It's okay. I got cousin there. Um, But anyway, so they sent me to check out this Jesus because we can't figure him out. And you know, I mean, we're kind of, we kind of like it when he goes after the Sadducees. They're in with, in Herod's pocket. You know, they're kind of, and Herod's in the Romans' pocket. So, I mean, us religious, us spiritual people don't really like to listen to them too much. But us Pharisees, I mean, we really try to honor God. We really do. The littlest part of our lives, we try to honor God. We take our, our, our garden herbs, our, our mint and our cumin, and we parse it out. And we want to make sure God gets the tenth of everything we do. We wear the robes that he gives us. And it feels good. And people recognize us as spiritual leaders. And that, it just feels so good. And they invite us to pray and we go, oh man, this is cool. We get to be recognized as a big man in the community. And we really like that. But you know, sometimes Jesus goes after us too. And then we don't like that so much. And how can a spiritual guy go after us? Because we're spiritual. So we're trying to figure out this Jesus. And so now... I got to come to Jerusalem and stand in the temple and he's there and he's doing radical stuff. He kicked over the, the tables with the money changers. He made a whip of cords, went after those guys. Can you believe it? I mean, in the temple, there's Roman guards, there's Sadducee guards, they're all around and Jesus grabbed this rope and whap, 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 get out of here. My father's house is a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. Get out! Now he's still standing here teaching. Why don't they bust the guy? You know, they actually did. I saw just the other day. They sent a squad of the temple guard to come take him out. And um, they left without taking him. I don't know how he does it, but there's something in him that scares me to death. There's something in him that's really, really good. And I've got some responsibility to my village and my elders because I've got to know where do we stand with this man? What if he is the Messiah? What if the Romans are on the way out? I want to be part of that. But what if he's an imposter? What are we going to do with this? So I came to listen to him. Of course, the Sadducees don't like him. The other religious folks don't like him too much. But I'm just trying to check this out. And as I listened to Jesus, they keep trying to trap him, that tax question, you know, should they pay taxes to Caesar or not? Man, you know, if he goes one way, the Romans will get him. If he goes the other way, all of us spiritual folks will be on his case. And the answer that he gave not only got out of the trap, but taught us 
things about God. Whose image is on the coin? Whose image is on your life? Give to God what is God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So as I listened to the religious leaders from the best schools ask him the best, hardest questions that they could think of, and I listened to Jesus give answers that were really good answers to really hard questions. I had a question coming up in my own heart that's been I've been thinking about for a long time. There's a lot of rules that God gave us in here. There's so much. So much. There's a lot of rules in here. I keep wondering, just doesn't seem like God ought to be complicated. And so I wanted to ask this man who gives really good answers to really hard questions. I wanted to ask him, Jesus, in your book, in this book that your father wrote, what's the most important? If you could pick one verse, what would be the most important thing that you have for us? Heavenly Father, open now your word to us. Speak into our hearts in Jesus' name. Our text is from Mark chapter 12, page 718 in your Bibles. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him his own question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying God is one and there is no one but him. To love him with all your heart, thanks Kevin, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered him wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. End of argument. So I was thinking a lot about the questioner And I was thinking even more about the question. There's a beauty in asking the right questions. There's a beauty in asking the right questions. I hear, I didn't, my cell phone's out there. I'd listen on the bus to like a thousand cell phone conversations. And I don't want to listen to them. If I could shut them all off, I would. Stupid stuff. And they talk loud and it's stupid. I'm going, do you ever shut up? What are you talking about? What are you spending your energy in? And where are you at? And when will you be so-and-so? 
I'm going, shut up. We're, I mean, didn't you agree on this ahead of time? Anyway, so we spent, we spend a lot of time on a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. And then sometimes, sometimes, something cuts through the, the haze with something that matters or a good question that really matters. And all of a sudden, I'm listening. And I don't want them to shut up. I want to see, does this person know how to handle this situation? There's a beauty in asking the right questions. What questions are you asking God? Why didn't I get that job? How come my wife isn't younger? (laughs) Not my wife, your wife. How come I didn't pass that test? How come the driving instructors are nasty? You know, we have like a thousand questions that we ask. And every now and then, somewhere through that haze comes a good question. One that God wants to talk about. What's most important? What really matters? In the heart of the matter... Beginning to end, through and through, God wants us to love Him. God wants us to love Him. This is a record of His love for us, but when it comes to our part, the greatest commandment, it all depends on, do you love God? doesn't matter how long the robes are, how spiritual your prayers are, how many things you've checked off the list of good spiritual activities, what matters is, do you love God? I am intrigued by the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. Um, That's in Mark chapter 10. We're not going to read it. But he comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the law. I love your, uh, I forget. He goes through sort of a list. Honor your father and mother and um, don't kill, don't commit adultery, this kind of stuff. And he knows and Jesus knows that it's still not enough. There's something in his heart. He's done the checklist, but there's still something missing. And Jesus says, one thing you're still lacking. He'd done all the religious stuff. Jesus looked at him. It says he looked on him and loved him. So this wasn't just some guy who's trying to get in to slip into heaven by the back door. He was trying to do it right and he had checked off the items that he knew he had to do. But he knew and Jesus knew something was still missing. And so he comes and says, what am I missing? Jesus says, looked at him and there's this word like gaze intently um, and saw an individual, saw a person. He said, what you need to do, sell all you have, give to the poor and come follow me. He did all the stuff except one thing. Love God. Love your neighbor. Okay. We're going to talk some about love. Anyone heard of it? Okay. First of all, the word that it says, love the hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The word they chose in the New Testament was agape. Now, we've In the Christian church, we talk a lot about the different kinds of love and stuff. And the Hebrew word sort of has a a broader picture. The Greek word is very specific, agape. And it's sort of the self-giving, sacrificial love. You're not loving for what you get back. 
It's not, it's, it's more a sacrificial, you're just giving because you love. And I was intrigued that God commands us to agape the Lord our God with all our heart. I, that's kind of more than we can sometimes rise to, right? But that's what he wants. Second thing about love. Love is relational. I mean, it's sort of obvious, but how am I going to show that I love God? Well, I can do lots of stuff, but if the love peace, there's a relationship there. If I'm just doing the stuff, but I don't have the love, then it's empty. You know the story I trust. Well, never mind. I'll put slight, slight variation here. Dan Adler is a worship leader, Heart of the City Worship Band. And he talks about the guy who, um, who is very romantic and very engaged and, and always brings flowers to his wife. But he has a little problem because he can't stay faithful to her. And so, you know, he's doing the, all the relational, the, you know, the lovey-dovey stuff with the flowers, but he's demonstrating by his life that he doesn't really have that kind of special relationship with his wife. And so what good are the flowers? It's like, I mean, but, but take it the other way. What if you're steadfast and faithful and you're going to love your wife if it kills you? And you... <laughs> You, and you just grit it out for 30 years and then, you know, aren't you missing something? That's not what marriage is for. That's not what the relationship a marriage is for. So we need both. That We need the relational. relational we need the, um, the love, romance, the heart part, but we also need the activity part. So I'm trying to just spread the table a little bit wider when we say love because everyone loves love, 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 yeah. Beatles sing love, love, love. Right. We've heard that. Okay. Love is holistic. It's not just a feeling. It's heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to just, I'm kind of short abbreviating the terms a little bit just to kind of, again. Um, from the heart, your core, it, for Hebrew, it's the inmost organ. It's what drives your life. Okay. The Greek word is cardia, which is where we get cardiac arrest and all that nasty stuff. It's, it's what you need. It, it pumps. It keeps you going. Your heart keeps you going. How do you love God with your heart? With what, what drives your life? Your inmost being. How do you love God with your inmost being? Soul. What I choose to call... Soul is sort of your mind, will, and emotions. Okay? Sort of. But I, I think of it as what is uniquely you that is nobody else from the time you're a baby to the time you're old and maybe in a wheelchair or maybe in a nursing home or maybe on your deathbed, what is uniquely you? What makes you who you are? That's what I think of as your soul. And how do we use our uniqueness that no one else... How, I think a lot about this because I've always felt like a misfit. But how do you use what's uniquely you to honor and love God? Um, let me give just a little example. Um, my son Jonathan, but in this is way back in elementary school, they did like they were did a class project making a smiley face pillow, okay, smiley face pillow. So it's a yellow pillow with a little smile and two eyes and stuff like that. But the uniqueness of my son made him put turn it into a pirate smiley face pillow. So he had a little red bandana on it and an eye patch and a mustache and a goatee, and it's still a smiley. He he met the requirements. But he put something that was uniquely him into that. And that's what I call your soul. 
What is it that you, you go, you don't just do the, the, the requirement. You don't just fulfill the assignment. But there's something uniquely you, for which you were created, that God wants to receive as part of your soul. Loving God from the soul. With all your soul. Your mind. I think of this terms both in terms of using your mind well. If you're if you've got a really if you're a sharp thinker, then you probably would not be totally fulfilled as a plumber. Nothing against plumbers. We need plumbers. Okay, let me change the story. If you've got a really sharp if you've got a really sharp mind and all you do is drive bus for 60 hours a week. A little closer to home. So then you've got to say, okay, how do I use my mind in this setting to love God? See, see kind of where we're getting. Second aspect on loving God with all your mind. I want you to think about this because most of our life, um, there's wherever we're sitting, wherever we are, we've got this internal track plane. There's thoughts that are just rolling through non-stop. We're thinking about what does so-and-so think of me? That it's, you know, da, 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 da. How am I doing? Should I have done this different? Or what do I have next? We've always got an agenda, a silent soundtrack going through our head. Our mind is active, non-stop. Going, when will he stop? <laughs> a second way that we can love God with all our mind is think about, I think as Joyce Meyer says, Think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. And is it what you are thinking about? Is that loving God? We have so much junk coming at us nonstop. It's like um, Andrew talked about being under Niagara Falls yesterday. In a bad sense, we're under this Niagara Falls of garbage that the world is just throwing at us nonstop. Every billboard, every newspaper, every it just never, ever ends. And so we have to make a conscious decision to love God with our mind and what we will let ourselves think about. There's been things from my past that used to torment me. They just come and I'd wake up in the night and I think, oh God, how could I have done that? How could I have said that? Why couldn't you have stopped me? And finally, just this last year, God said, you know, think no more about it. I have done what I could. I repented. There's no way I can go back and do anything else to redeem the situation. I have done what I can. And it's still tormenting me. And I felt like I just said, think no more about it. So when those thoughts come, I say, no, I'm not thinking about you anymore. We're finished with that. Okay? Love God with your mind. Okay, we're moving on. Love is a priority. Love is the single most important quality of life, the most important commandment, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13 again. You know it. If I speak in the tongues, if I do all the stuff, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, 
I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind, does not envy. How we doing? Does not boast. How we doing? It's not proud. How we doing? It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. When we get love right, I want you to hear again Jesus' affirmations for this man when he said, yes, love is the most important. First he said, you are not far. If we get this part right, we're not far from the kingdom of God. We're not far. It's right there, almost breaking through. If we get love right. Second, on this depend all the law and the prophets. Get all the rest right. I'm not, I've whole got a section of the sermon yet, so don't get too wrapped up in this. Okay. Second, on this depend all the law and the prophets. So if you get super deep theologically and you don't have love, it's just you've missed the point. I had in seminary, I had profs who were expert at the material. And I don't know if they knew the Lord. And I had other profs who every class, it was like a devotional because they loved the Lord and they loved his book. And you could, and the classes, you're, getting, you're going to school and it's like a devotional every day with such a privilege, depending on the prof. Did they love God? And the third thing Jesus said to another man who asked him, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus asked him, What's in the law? How do you read it? And he chose this verse. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He nailed the answer. And Jesus said, Do this. You will live. There's nothing here about confessing Christ, being baptized, being filled. It's just, Do this and you will live. That is a strong affirmation from Jesus. If we get this right, we'll live. Now, I know if we love God, then we've got to deal with our sin and some of that. So I'm not just, I'm not trying to give you an easy out here, but I want you to remember how importantly Jesus takes this command. Do this and you will live. Love is a command. How does that work? I don't know. But it is a command. He doesn't say, the Lord doesn't say, it would be really nice if you could love me. He doesn't say, you might want to try. He doesn't say, have you considered? He says, do it! Do it! He'll help us do it if we try to do it. I believe that. And Okay, another analogy here. In a movie, sometimes you get a girl who's trying to choose between two guys, right? There's a girl and she's really beautiful, of course, because it's a movie. And, and you got two two guys and she's trying to decide between the two of them. And one is, you. everyone in the theater knows this is the guy she should choose, right? Everyone in the theater. They don't say on the screen, this is the guy she should choose. But, every, but by the way they tell the story, everyone knows this is the right one and this is the wrong one. 
right? And the wrong one looks really good. And, and the girl is trying to decide and everyone wants to scream at her. No, no, choose this guy, right? And I believe our love for God is kind of like that movie. He's the one that's for us. He's the right, he made us. He's our husband. He's the one who wants us, who died for us. And he wants us. And any other love we choose is not the right one for us. And everyone in the heavenly theater knows it except us. We're trying to decide, what will I do? Who will I love? Where will I give my heart? When God commands us to love Him, it's because He loves us. He will never require us to do anything that He does not require of Himself. You think you can out-love God? Anyone want to try? When He commands us to love Him, it's not going to be like, Oh God, i got to love you now. Now, I know I've been in places where I've been so frustrated, angered, hurt by God or feeling like that. You know, and sometimes it's really hard and I go, God, if you love me, then why did this happen? Why did that happen? I know that. Um, If you stay with him long enough, he'll get you through that. And you'll find out that it was love from beginning to end. You don't know how many, I've said it, but you don't know how many tears I prayed over my previous church. And those were never answered the way I wanted. But if he had answered those prayers, I never would have come here. And I wouldn't know any of you. I'm so glad I'm here. God's love carried me through that to bring me to this. Okay, so we're commanded to love God. He holds himself to the same standard. He is the one that's for us. And it brings a blessing to us. And I want to fire through. This is going to take a little while, but I want to get you the weight of this. There, there are at least 15 matches for the phrase, love the Lord your God, in the Old Testament. I'm sorry. Yeah, in the Old Testament. At least 15. Your homes, parents say to the kid, time to get up. Johnny says, mm, first call, forget it. So parent says a little more urgency. Time to get up. And Johnny goes, Parent says, time to get up, the bus is leaving. And the parent says, and the kid goes, why didn't you tell me? So, so. Okay, there's sort of, we gauge the urgency of the command by how many times it's given. Now, if God says something once, we can say, first call doesn't matter. Second call, a little more urgent. How many calls are you going to wait? When God says it, the one who made you, he says, love me. Oh, I'll I'll try tomorrow. I'll start next week. Okay, Deuteronomy 6. I want you to hear the blessing that comes with this. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 8. I'll try to fast forward. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey. Okay, sorry, verse 2. Got to back up. Deuteronomy 6. These are the commands, decrees, laws the Lord has given me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. You want to enjoy long life? There's a command for you to follow. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you 
and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. When he gives the commands, there's a blessing that comes with it. And then our key verse, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Tie them on. It's part of your life. Deuteronomy 11. If you faithfully obey the commands, 11 verse 13. If you faithfully convey the Obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will send rain on your land in season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather your grain, new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. There's a blessing that comes with loving the Lord. Deuteronomy 11:22. If you carefully obey all these commands I'm giving you today to follow, to love again the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and hold fast to Him. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you'll dispossess nations larger than stronger than you. Every place you set your foot will be yours. And there's some heavy, beautiful promises here if we love the Lord our God. See, the land I am setting before you, see, today I am setting before you a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord. And the curse if you disobey. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, keep His commands, degrees and laws, and then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. You get the idea. He commands us, and I don't quite understand that, but I know that if God says it, I want to do it. Can we, set our, uh, can, we just, um, can we say, yeah, I want to do that, instead of going, first call, second call, maybe next week. Can we say, yes, I'll do it. Okay, love's object. This is sort of the second half, and then we'll bring it in. He, there are two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And these two are ranked. First, second. That matters. Why does it matter? I'm glad you asked. Why does it say love God first? Isn't he kind of an egotist to want our love first? Um, First of all, God deserves it. He is our maker. He's the one who gives us life itself day by day, breath by breath. You've got this gift this day. This breath that you just took is your gift from God. He can cut it off any time. Your heartbeat's going fine or we'd be calling the paramedics, right? That's a gift from God. Day by day, he's extending life to you. So he deserves to tell you anything he wants to and all he says is, love me. First of all, he deserves it. Secondly, our peace depends on putting God before we put our neighbors. We are not to be um, needs-driven. Can I say that? The needs, I cry every... Not anymore, I've steeled myself. I used to cry every time I read the newspaper because the needs and the pain are so overwhelming. And you just, God, when will it end? And, you know, we talked about the guy who killed his wife and kids last week. It just never ends. Any time you read the paper, you'll find human need crying out from the pages. And if you go to try to love into those situations without being connected to the source of love, you can't do it. You just run empty and you're gone. 
You're gone. You're done for. You cannot. We're not made with the capacity to love enough to meet every need. But there is someone who is the Lord God. And if we love Him first and stay in that relational bond with Him, then He can pour through us into those other situations. Okay, third thing. Not everyone is easy to love. You might have noticed that. Now, I'll be straight. I, I joke about our marriage because it's very secure. I love my wife very much. We've been married 30 some... Are we 31 or 30? I lose track after. It's either 30 or 31 years. Okay? And it's good. It's a good thing. See? <laughs> Help me out, love. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging here. <laughs> 1980. Yes. Okay, yes, I really needed help. <laughs> See, we work together great, right? Okay. Now, where was I going with that? Good grief. Thank you. Thank you. You saved me. See, See, we need each other, right? Okay, my wife is easy to love. We get along great. I like going home to her. I like it when she's home with me. I, there's, you know, we're glad when we're together and we miss each other when we're apart, okay? Because she's easy to love. There's some people that I'm not glad to love. So it's like, and I have actually complained to the Lord on one or two occasions. Why do I get all of those people... And -and so-and-so gets all the easy people to love. You know, I'm just being real, you know. So some people are easy to love and some people are hard to love. Does that mean, oh, we only love the easy ones? Not at all. Love our enemies, Jesus said, right? Think that's easy? I get upset when someone turns in a complaint on my bus, you know. But what if they crucified me? Love your enemies. Okay. Anyway, so some people are easy to love, some people are hard to love, but and so we need to be related, closely bonded with the Father's love if we're going to have any chance of doing it right when we get into the tough-to-love places. Okay, I'm going to move on. So, why not just God and not the neighbor? If we love God, then we're okay, right? And I thought of a silly little analogy for this. Um, Katya makes really good spaghetti sauce. Okay, it's really tasty. And one day we were out of noodles. And we had the spaghetti sauce and I came home from work and I'm hungry and it smells really good and I'm going to sit down and eat and, and it's like no noodles. And you could drink the spaghetti sauce. You could dip bread in it, maybe. But it's just, it's made for noodles, right? And so, if I can use this silly little analogy, loving neighbors is like the noodles. It's like it puts the love of God into something so we we can eat it, we can taste it, we can be nourished by it. It tastes good. We can share it. Pizza sauce, a tomato paste can, just ugh. But you put it on a pizza and it's good. So I'm just a silly little picture, but think of the love for the neighbor as putting God's love onto something that you can eat, that you can share, that you can that is tasty. It's not it's for that. It's not made to sit in the pot and smell good. Our love for God is not made to sit in the pot 
Neither is it made to sit in this room and feel good. Put it on the noodles. Take it to the neighbors. First John 4.19 We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say it. He said it. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and he is and God has I'm sorry and God has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother God's heart and nature are to love the heart of God is love and you cannot truly love him without embracing his values God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete in us. It's put on the noodles. But we have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Old Testament has verses on fasting that God has chosen, etc. He says, you know, don't do the religious stuff. The re- you know, we've got all the fasting stuff. But if you're not taking care of widows and orphans, then forget it. James says, what good is it, brothers, if a man claims to have faith, let's say have love, but has no deeds, can such a love save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food, and one of you says, go, I wish you well, be, keep warm and filmed, be blessed, brother. Um, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? There's no needles, noodles, you can't eat it. Okay, now one more thing, We're, come, I'm going to come down to... Um, couple more things, but we'll go quickly. Um, aside on loving your neighbor as yourself, um, I have heard many times, even in this house, um, you can't love your neighbor without loving yourself. And I'm still wrestling that. I'm, but, but for sure, we cannot... I don't want you to make the mistake of saying, first I'll learn to love myself, and then I'll love my neighbor. Right? We can't do that. We can't say, first I'll love myself and then I'll love my neighbor. Because, a couple of reasons, yourself is never quite satisfied with the love that you give it. It's never enough. It's never enough. Why do you think people get into all the compulsions and addictions and bigger houses? It's never enough. So if you wait till it's enough before you extend love to somebody else, you're just never going to do what he said. So... Secondly, it's more blessed to give than receive. I believe that the quickest way out of our pain and out of our deep, sometimes deep pain, the quickest way out of those places is to find someone else to love and to bless and do. It's like, God, I'm hurting like crazy, but this guy needs love. Help me love him. And as we extend ourselves, then I believe God flows through and fills that hurt place and not only pours it through us, but we are blessed as we give to others. It's more blessed to give than receive. So it's, it's like that jar of oil where she had to first make the bread for Elijah before she could eat, 
and anyway, as we, we need to step out and love, we need to step out and faith and give, and I believe God will resupply. So we can't say, first I'll love myself, and then I'll love you. Don't wait for that. It'll never happen. Okay. So I'm going to wrap this up a little bit here. Love is a relationship, not a formula. If you, it might look the same. It might be the same checklist. But if the relationship isn't real, if it's not love, then the checklist is worthless. So love is a relationship and not a formula. How do you strengthen a relationship? How do you love God? How do you strengthen a relationship with someone you love? Well, it helps to talk to them. Helps to spend time with them. Helps to be real with them instead of come in with this happy, smiley face when inside you're angry. Love is the single most important operating principle for everything God does. Love is the single most operating principle for everything God does. I'm going to give an invitation here and... um, I think I would like the worship team to come up and play this um, play while we're doing this. And I've also asked Pastor Jim just to come and stand with me as we give this invitation. I want you to listen for a second, even while the worship team's coming up. It'll be just instrumental the first till I, till I pray. And what I'd like to ask you to do today is um, stand when I call what applies to you. And there's four things. And just standing up as an expression of Um, yes, that's where I want to step forward with God. I need to pray before I even do that. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to search our hearts, continue to search our spirits, continue to move us into your purpose with power and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, my first invitation is this. If you've spent a lot of time asking the wrong questions and caught up in all those dumb conversations of life and you want to recenter your life on what really matters, on the most important thing and kind of trim away some of the peripherals and all of the garbage and all of the just junk that everything is throwing at you. If you want to set, cut off that and recenter your life on what matters most, asking God the right question, what do you want of me, God? Which is the greatest commandment for me? Then I invite you to stand right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Second invitation is this. I want to invite you to, if you love God with all your heart and soul, I'm sorry, but yeah, let's say heart and soul, sort of like your passion and who you are. You've got that part down, but you're not really doing a lot with it for somebody else. You're not really, or, or, or maybe, your mind is still full of garbage and you want to stretch from, you've got the passion for God, but your thinking is still really messed up. So you love God with your heart and soul, but your mind and strength are somewhere else. So if you love God with your heart and soul and want to grow into 
thinking right, then will you please stand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Third invitation. If you love God with all the stuff that you do, the activities, the actions, but the love has kind of faded, you just sort of like kind of bored, and you want to get better at loving God, then I invite you to stand. believe the maker of the universe cares about if you love him or not? Why should he care? He wants us to get it right so he can bless us. He wants us to get it right so that we can live. This is what we're made for. Last invitation. If you've got this part pretty well, but you're kind of keeping it to yourself or not, not loving your neighbors as well as you'd like. And I know I don't mean do everything they want. I'm not saying that. But you want to grow in the area of loving a neighbor. Then I invite you to stand. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to sing. And as we're singing our closing worship songs, then I'd invite, if you want to come forward and pray about any of these things, then we will be here to pray with you on these things. But I'm going to pray first and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, look at us. We're standing here. Heavenly Father, look at us. We're saying we're this far, but we want to go better. We want to get step, take that next step forward in your calling and your grace in your life into the blessing that you have for us into the life you have for us Heavenly Father look on us like Jesus looked at the young man will you receive the hearts Father that are here will you receive the minds that are here will you receive the souls that are here will you receive the strength that is here Will you receive the neighbors that are represented here? Father God, by your grace, by your power, by your calling, by your eternal purpose, by your first and last word of love, strengthen and enable us to walk according to your calling and purpose, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to do this, Father, and we need your help. Receive our prayer. Receive us today. I pray in Jesus' name.